Hey friends, welcome to RUF. My name is Sammy. I'm the campus minister here. I'm going into my 14th year, uh, year nine here. But I'm really, really glad, especially if this is your first time at RUF, especially we welcome you. Thank you so much for coming and checking us out. Uh, we say in RUF that the reason we're here is we want to be a community that is for skeptics and believers alike to hear and listen to the claims of Jesus and to learn what it looks like to love and follow him at USC. So really, really glad that you're here. So this semester is a fun one for me. We're doing a series uh, on relationships. And so we're going to be talking all semester about things like friendship, dating, marriage, singleness, uh, into um, anxiety, depression. The way that we're framing it is we're, we're first moving into, uh, basically when you think about relationships, there are three different kinds, right? There's a relationship that we have with one another. That's what we're going to start in the beginning of the semester, thinking about what it means for us to relate to one another. The second one we could talk about is what the relationship that you have with yourself. Um, another way to say that is we all have this inner voice. And if you're like me, your inner voice could use some work. Um, and then the third thing we're going to think about, we're doing it a little bit out of order. So we're going to think about your relationship with God himself. So that's what we're doing this semester. We're calling it Relationships Reimagined. And tonight what I want to do is just kind of go big picture, thousand foot view, as we lean into this relationship, as we get into talking about these things, uh, here's what I would like to do just to kind of set us up. What do we need to know at the core of it about ourselves? And so that's what we're doing tonight. So if, you're, uh, if you have your handout, we're going to look at really Genesis 1, 2, and 3. Um, and the way that we're going to do this all semester is we're choosing, um, we're choosing a Beyonce song for each topic just because I like to do that and I think it's fun. So tonight is flaws and all. We'll get to that in a second. But let's read our scripture first. Genesis 1, 2, and 3. Just a few selected verses to set us up. So here we go. Genesis 1, 27 and 28. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And then Genesis 2, 18, then the Lord God said, he's looking at Adam and the loneliness of Adam, and he says, it is not good that the man should be alone. And then into Genesis 3, this is the fall, if you're familiar with scripture, starting in verse 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. And then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And God said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? And the man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree and I ate. And then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. Let me pray for us and we're going to dive into what I want to talk about tonight. Let's pray first. Father, we are grateful to you for your goodness to us, for your love for us, for the ways that you have gathered us here tonight. Um, Father, we come with all kinds of stories. Uh, Some of us are really excited to be here 
and we're here and we're meeting new friends or we're reconnecting with old friends and we are excited about this year at South Carolina. And some of us come and we're bearing heavy burdens. Um, Lord, burdens of some of the mistakes or, or choices that we've made that we wish we could take back. Some of us with burdens just of anxiety and depression and just feeling overwhelmed with what college is and can be no matter if we're a freshman or a senior. Lord, some of us come lonely and we're here and we, we long for friends. And yet, Lord, if we're being honest, we are deeply homesick and we miss our old friends and we are desperate and longing to meet anyone, someone who would love us and care for us. So, Lord, I thank you that you know us. You know our stories. You know us through and through. We are not strangers to you, even if we feel like strangers to ourselves. So I pray not just for tonight, but I pray for this whole semester. I pray for for these friends that you would meet us where we are. Lord, so much of our struggle is we're not where we would like to be And we keep striving to be where we think we should be. And yet, Lord, your grace comes to us and says, I know you and I know where you are and I love you. And I sent my son to die for you. So, Lord, I pray that we could, in the spirit of the gospel, think about our relationships this semester. Would you give us grace? Would you give us honesty? Would you give us empathy? Would you give us vulnerability with one another? We need all of these things as gifts from your spirit. And we ask these things through Christ our Lord. Amen. All right. Beyonce, flaws and all. Here's what she says. She says, I'm a puzzle, yes, indeed, ever complex in every way, and all the pieces aren't even in the box. And yet you see the picture clear as day. I don't know if she's talking about, I'm assuming she's talking about Jay-Z. I don't know. I don't know Beyonce's heart. I mean, I think I know Beyonce's heart, and it's pretty pure. I don't know why you love me, and that's why I love you. You catch me when I fall, accept me, flaws and all, and that's why I love you. All right, so tonight we're thinking about thousand-foot view, thinking about relationships, what I want you to know. What do Genesis, what does the Bible say, essentially? Just at the core, if we could strip it down, what does it say about the way that you and I do relationships? What does it say about the way that we approach or think about or do relationships? The reality is from the moment you were born, you were in relationship, right? From the moment you were born, you had parents, you had siblings. Some of these, maybe you wouldn't have chosen either for yourselves, but they were there. You were in relationship. At some point in your journey, hopefully early on, you made some friends, then you lost those friends, then we all experienced the the tragedy that is seventh grade. One of the things I like to say is, Lord Jesus, please heal us all of seventh grade, amen, because we need it. You made it through the awkwardness of middle school, and maybe high school was amazing for you. I actually was one of those weird kids who loved high school and hated college. I'm a weird guy. You're going to learn if you stick around RUF. I like... Cherish. I became a Christian right before high school, met some of my best friends that I'm going to actually see some of them tomorrow. I'm going to tell you more about that later. And then now you're here. You're in college. And you know what it is. You know what it is to lose friendships. You know what it is to enter the awkwardness of roommates that uh, maybe you don't love or maybe you do love. I hope for you. My prayer for you is you have roommates that you deeply love. But the reality is, for a lot of us, that's not the case. Uh, you know what it is for your old friends to change. You know what it's like to miss a friend. Maybe your best friend lives a thousand miles away. You just, every part of life is affected by relationship every single day. Uh, I love, there's a, I'm a podcast person and one of my favorite kind of nerd podcasts. Uh, I love the counseling world. And there's this podcast by a woman named Esther Perel. 
And what she does is she takes in these married couples who haven't, are having major, major problems, and she works with them through every possible broken marriage-type situation you could possibly imagine. And I am here for it because I just love that world. But one of the things that she says, her whole thesis, she's not a Christian. She grew up in a Jewish tradition. But one of her whole theses or her thesis for this podcast is, I think, something that's foundational to what we're going to be talking about all semester. And it's why we're doing this series, this series on relationships. Here's what she says. She says, the quality of your life is determined by the quality of your relationships. The quality of your life is determined by the quality of of your relationships. The reality of that is true. When you think about your last bad day, maybe you're having a bad day now. And I would almost bet, I would put good money down that part of that bad day was coming through some relational struggle. Either a relationship with someone else or the relationship that you're having with yourself and the brokenness that that can be. Or more deeply and and maybe a harder thing to look at is your relationship with God himself. But the, the quality of your relationships determines the quality of your life. So I want to talk about three things from Genesis 1, 2, and 3. Here they are. First, I want to talk about why relationships are huge. Second, I want to talk about why relationships are hard. And then the last thing I want to talk about is the healing. Where do we find the healing for our relationships? So why relationships are huge, why relationships are hard, and then lastly, the healing of relationships. First, let's think for a second about why relationships are huge. So Genesis 1 and 2, here's, the, here's what God is saying Here's what you need to know about yourself if you're going to ever do relationships in any kind of a healthy way. Is that you and I were made, Genesis 1, in God's image, and that means we were made to be known and to be loved. We were made to be known and to be loved, and we were made to know and to love. Genesis 1 is one of the most beautiful chapters in Scripture because here you have God forming Adam And they're walking together in the cool of the day in the garden, and they are fellowshipping with one another. And what I want you to first see, part of why relationships are huge, is just think with me for a second about how beautiful relationships are. Of just how beautiful, like when you think about your best moments with your best friends. There's this part, C.S. Lewis, years ago I read his uh, biography called The Narnian. And there was this little tucked away line. If you know anything about C.S. Lewis's life, part of where all of his beautiful, I mean, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe is, is a book that I've lived in. Uh, his fi- his fiction is incredible, but all of his nonfiction, of course, as well. But part of that was formed in friendship, this beautiful friendship. Where if you know his story at all, uh, he and J.R.R. Tolkien and Charles Williams and another guy whose name I can't remember would meet like weekly at the Eagle and Child Pub in London, and they would just feast together and be together and laugh together and share their work together. And when you think about this, this beautiful relationships that they were having and the work that went out into the world like Lord of the Rings or like Narnia, that really changed our imagination. And part of it was formed through beautiful relationship. And he's got this little tucked away line where he talks about it. Well, here's what he says in this book, The Narnia, and he says this. He says, my happiest hours are spent with three or four old friends in old clothes, tramping together and putting up in small pubs, or else sitting up till the small hours in someone else's college rooms, talking nonsense, poetry, theology, metaphysics, over beer, tea, and pipes. And he has this weird line that I love so much. And then he says, there's no sound I like better than adult male laughter. Which is a, we can just embrace, that's a weird line. (laughs) 
But when you think about it, just think, think about the, la- the laughter. When is the last time that you just had a belly laugh with your friends? Like, I just, I was talking with, uh, with Carol. Carol is our intern going into her second year. And we did this thing called staff training together. And I had this night where one of Carol's friends, we all stay in this hotel. And in my room, we had decided we were going to watch the latest disease on Sorry Special. And man, it just hit me and my friends so hard to the point where one of Carol's friends who's in the room behind us could just hear us laughing through the walls, which is a little bit shameful for me because it was like midnight and she's probably like, what are these dudes doing in there? We were watching the Aziz special and it was amazing. I heartily recommend it to you. But when is the last time you just belly laughed with friends? Relationships are beautiful and part of why they're beautiful, if you think about it, is God is a trinity, which means Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God did not create us because he was lonely. God created us to share the joy and the beauty of the relationship he has had with himself eternally. Loving and laughing and knowing Father, Son, and Spirit. And God creates us in his image that we would do that, that we would know that. Relationships are huge because they are beautiful, but they're also huge because they're crucial. Because the flip side of this means you are not made to be alone. I think one of the most profound lines in all of scripture is Genesis 2, 18. When God looks at Adam, and Adam has just named all the animals, and he looks at Adam and he sees something lacking. This is mind-blowing. God is, this is God's design. He's created this man in his image, and he says, I'm not enough for you. Here, stay with me. He says, you're not going to experience my depth unless I form for you Eve. Unless I give to you another person made in my image that you might know the fullness of who and what I am. And he says it is not good that man is alone. It is not good to be alone. Now, if you're an introvert like me, you're like, "Uh, being alone is pretty amazing. And the reality, though, is, is it? I mean, I'm, I'm a huge introvert. If you've been around me, you know this. So, like, I can do some small talk, but I'm going to make it pretty uncomfortable at some point. So just bear with me. Give me, give me grace in that. I'm asking you, though. It would be amazing. Uh, small talk is not, like, sometimes I think of small talk like a superpower. Like, it's just one I don't have, right? I'm just not gifted. Like, I look at people who are, look at, I look at extroverts, and I'm like, you guys are, like, my heroes, true superheroes. Because you just effortlessly are like, let me just chat up this person and this person. And I'm, like, withering on the inside. But it is not good for man to be alone. We need the cru- So the other thing I want you to say, relationships aren't just beautiful. Relationships are also crucial. You, you need them. You are made for community. Now, if you're a freshman and you're here, you know maybe you've experienced some of the hardness of this because sometimes community takes a lot of work. Sometimes community doesn't come as quickly as we would like it, right? Sometimes community, especially if you're a freshman, if you're anything like me, I was mourning the loss of my friends who went other places, and I didn't have, I didn't know how to make new friends. And if I'm being honest with you, I got really depressed freshman year because I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to just put myself out there and go meet people. And if I could go back to freshman me and be like, hey, sweet child, sit at my feet for a second. Can I, t- can, I, can I just say a few things? And one of the things I would say to 18-year-old me is, man, we really need to think about community, especially a community that knows... I'm sorry, I'm like looking at myself. <laughs> <laughs> this is going really vivid for me at this moment. I'm like picturing myself sitting here. Uh, but I would have said to myself, you can't do this Christianity thing alone. And I tried really hard for two years to do the Christianity thing alone. Because uh, I, I was just... A lot, a lot of it was because I was proud. 
Another part of it is for another time. I was in this obsessive dating relationship. We can talk about that one when we get to dating in a couple weeks. Um, but I didn't know how to do community, and yet I was withering because community was so important and it was so lacking in my life. So relationships are huge, but they're beautiful, and also they are crucial. You were made, if you were made to be known and loved, and you were made to know and love, you cannot do that by yourself. You have to have people in your life, community, to do that with. So first, why relationships are huge. Then second, why relationships are hard. That's Genesis 3, right? You know, if you've followed Genesis 3 before, that knowing and loving is hard because of this thing called sin. And so here typically is how it plays out. Typically, one of two things happens, and it's happened in your life. Typically, we've known being loved, but not really known. So this is kind of like, this is where we do that thing called projecting, where I think to myself, okay, I want to be in this friend group, or I want to be with these people, so what image of myself can I craft and create, where I can just, if I can just pretend like I'm this person, then I will be loved, but what happens, there's this breakdown where I'm being loved, but it's not really me, it's this projection or version of me, and so at the same time, there's a loneliness to it, because I don't really feel known. And in fact, when you're accepted and loved but not known, what happens is you're in this, this sort of vicious cycle where you're like, now the stakes are higher where if I reveal to you my true self, if I let you know, like in my case, as I was trying to make friends sophomore year, if I let you know my struggles with depression, will you really love me? If I let you into this broken relationship that I'm pretending in a Christian way is really glorifying to God, and yet on the inside of this relationship, horrible things are happening, if I share that with you, Will you still, if you know me, will you still love me? But then we also, that taps into the flip side of it, which is our deepest fear, which is to be really known, but not loved, right? Like this is the fear of middle school. Like I'm watching, I've got two kids in middle school. One just started high school. I'm watching this play out every day in my house. It's like a war zone, right? I mean, it's like every day we're like, okay, which one is going to, which one is just facing the horrors of middle school and early high school, and three of them are, and then my sweet Sadie is in second grade, and she's just peacefully oblivious to all of it. But they are in that moment where they're thinking, who, who can know me? Who will know me and love me? Who can I risk vulnerability with? And as I risk it, as I share my fears, as I share my struggles, as I share my weird, who can, who can know that about me and say, I'm here for it? I am here for you. I love you. I love that about you. And I'm really sorry that that's part of your story. I think about Chris Rock. Chris Rock's got that great line where he says, when you meet someone for the first time, you're not really meeting them. You're meeting their representative, right? Like you're not really meeting, like when you've met, you all just, some of you just met someone for the first time. That's not really, you met their representative, take them to coffee, grab some lunch, and then maybe slowly we'll start to, you'll start to get the real them. But we do that thing. And when you watch how that plays out with Adam and Eve, as they fall, they are tempted by the serpent. They eat of the fruit that God's told them not to eat of. The serpent's lie is, so, is still so strong with us. Where the serpent says, did God really say, can you trust his truth? And then the serpent essentially says, he implies, does God really love you? Did God really say... And does God really love you? And those things start to, to really affect. I mean, that's what leads Adam and Eve into sin. Is they're looking for love in other places. 
And they're turning away from the love of God. And as they do that, look what happens. I mean, you've, if you've studied this before, it's fascinating. They do three things. They start to blame one another. You saw in the text, God comes to Adam. Adam blames Eve. God comes to Eve. Eve blames the serpent. So blame, pointing the finger, starts to happen in the breakdown of a relationship. The second thing that happens is hiding. They hide. This is, the images in Genesis 3 are profound. They are hiding as if they could hide from God, but they are hiding behind these trees. And then the third thing they do is they cover. They try to cover their nakedness, the nakedness of their shame, with fig leaves. Which, if you know anything about fig leaves, it was, it was just not a, it just wasn't a great idea. Like, there wasn't a lot of coverage in fig leaves, right? It was just not really going to work. It wasn't going to cover their shame. This is what I think about if ever, I'm not a rapper at all, but man, as I was preparing for this, I'm like, fig leaves and big trees. That's my rap album, y'all. Fig trees and big, the fig leaves and big trees. Yeah, nailed it, nailed it. But I think about this is what we do, right? This is what the breakdown of relationships where it happens is we start to blame instead of being honest with ourselves, we start to cover and we start to hide. I think about my, my youngest, Sadie, when she was little, probably four or five, and the big kids would want to play hide-and-seek when they were young enough to still want to play hide-and-seek, which that's depressing as I think about that. But as we would play hide-and-seek, Sadie always did the same thing. She would run upstairs in her closet, and she would shut herself in the closet. And then almost immediately, she would start saying, I'm in here. Dad, I'm in here. And I'd be like, where's Sadie? I was like, okay. Open the closet door. Oh, you found me. And I always thought about this as like this kind of, to me, it was a profound thing because on the one hand, she loved to hide. And yet on the other hand, she longed to be found. And I think that is so true of you and me. We love to hide. We are ashamed of our nakedness. We are ashamed of ourselves. And yet at the same time, we long for someone to know us and to love us, to find us and to be found. Um, and that's the last thing I want you to see is where does the healing of relationship come from? And this is what I love about Genesis 3 so much is it really is the first time the gospel is preached. And it's not in word, but it's preached in action. Because God comes and he asks that profound question, where are you? It's one of the best questions you could ever ask your heart. Where am I? Do I have the courage to be honest before the Lord or before in my community to say, here's where I really am? And you ask them that question, and then you're, you're waiting. Pretend like you've never read the Bible before. This is what's hard about Scripture, right, is you've heard this before. You know what's coming. But just try for a second to pretend like you're in that moment. You're, you're Adam and Eve, and you've just, in a profound way, sinned. And you're so ashamed. You're hi- literally hiding behind trees, trying to cover your nakedness. And the Lord, as he steps into the garden, you hear him coming. What do you do? And the question you're asking yourself, what they're asking themselves is, what is God going to do? He has told us, do not do this. And we've done it. He has clearly spelled out, do, you can feast on everything in, the, in my garden, but do not touch this one tree. And now we've eaten of that one tree. And what is God going to do? The reality is, I think if you're like me, what we think God is going to do is not what God does. I think most of us come with this really wrong view of who God is. That he is not a God of grace. That he's a God of holiness And he's going to come and confront them, and he's going to grab... I think sometimes we would think it would be like this. He's going to come, and he's going to knock down the trees, and he's going to grab Adam and Eve in a Thanos-type way and just pull them to himself, right? 
and be like, how dare you defy me? You puny humans. How dare you? And what does he do? It's beautiful. He actually, the, the passage doesn't say this, but he obviously makes a sacrifice of some animals. And he takes their skins and he makes them into garments and he covers what their fig leaves could never cover. The thing I want you to see, this is the first picture of Jesus, right? We know this. If you know what the cross is, the cross is the fulfillment of Genesis 3. The cross is God looking at us and all of our broken relationships with each other and all the, all the ways that we've sinned against one another, all the ways we've been sinned against. He looks at the brokenness of our own hearts. The things that we don't even yet know about ourselves. College reveals your heart, y'all. College doesn't change your heart. It reveals it and get buckle up because it's going to show some ugly things to yourself if you listen. He knows all of this. And yet when Paul in Galatians says, listen, if you could fix this yourself, then Jesus went to the cross in vain. If you could do anything about your nakedness, then Jesus died in vain. Because the reality is, the reality of the gospel is, is that God knows you. He knows you. He knows everything about you. And yet he loves you. He sent Jesus to die for you because he loves you that much. There's a story that I love out of my friend. Here's a story. He adopted a little girl from China. And there's a story he used to tell when, he, when she was little where there was this one moment. She had this princess dress when she was about five or six. And she loved to wear this princess dress. And so she had been wearing this princess dress nonstop. And she's wearing it. She's wearing it. She has this one day where she's wearing this princess dress and she gets really sick and she throws up all over herself throws up all over the dress. And as he's giving her a bath, she starts crying. And he says, baby, what's wrong? And she says, daddy, I don't feel like a princess anymore. And he said, like through tears, he said, baby, you will always be my princess. Because my, it's not this dress that makes you beautiful. It's my love for you that makes you beautiful. And I don't know if you're like me, but I, my heart desperately needs to hear that tonight. I've had a week. And what I need to hear from the Lord is what he says to us as we think about relationships and all of their beauty and all of their brokenness. What I need to hear is God say to me and God say to you, I know you and I love you. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the good news of Jesus, the good news of one who gave his life for us because he so knows our brokenness and yet so loves us that he would, Jesus, that you would give your life for us, that we might know your forgiveness, that we might know your love, that we might know what it means for you to change us and make us more like yourself. And so Lord, we pray and we ask for that. I thank you for everyone here tonight. I thank you that whether it's with RUF or somewhere else, Lord, I pray that you would give them a community, a beautiful community where they could be known and loved. Lord, we would love that to be here, but Lord, there are so many beautiful ministries and churches. Would you place them somewhere where they can be known and loved? That's our heart's cry. And would you meet us all in our stories in that way? We pray these things, Lord Christ, in your name. Amen. Let's stand and sing the doxology. Thankfully, I'm not singing it.